Okay, hey everybody, it is the Salt Lake Sit-Down episode number 4-0, the big 4-0. And today I've got two special guests with me. I've got Kayo and I've got Chad, Chad Thundercock of <laughs> The Fail Actually, it's uh, Chad McBigdick. Uh, I've been wanting to have both of these guys on and I was able to wrangle them in because you know musicians are kind of like herding cats they all have their thing going on but I finally got them to sit down and I know a lot of people have been sending me questions and whatnot and I have a couple of questions of my own specifically for Chad and I'm going to start off with, we're, I'm going to just go right to the head of the list here. The most important question of today, which is, Chad, why do you not own a BC Rich Warlock? So here's the thing. I love the look of the BC Rich. Like, I really did. But to me, everyone had a Warlock. Like, everyone had a Warlock. So I wanted something a little different. And so for many years, I was working at Guitar Center when I was... I worked at Guitar Center for a long time, but I think when I was like 20, I bought a BC Rich Bitch. Ooh, okay. So Isn't I had that a, like a 10 string is basically what that is? The full on crazy legit ones were, but mine was just a stick with six strings. So mine was totally okay. stuffed out, black on black, white binding. I swapped out the pickups with dual EMG 81s. It was my metal machine. Okay. And then I just, you know what? It just got to a point where I was like, I just wasn't playing it anymore. It wasn't getting enough love. And I used it to supplement more drum gear, which was where I was at. So I ended up selling it. So I have owned a BC Rich. It was just never a warlock. It was the bitch. Okay. Well, you know what? I'll I'll forgive you then for not owning a warlock because the Oof. bitch is actually... That was always one that I wanted to get ever since I saw Dave Mustaine with one of those. Mm. And just to hear him play, I was just like, oh God. And that was one of his guitars that I was like, oh man. But at least in my time frame, I wanted the full 10 string one. I wanted the, the whole thing. Even though I didn't even know quite, you know, if I had one, what the hell am I going to do with this thing? But I couldn't afford one. They were just way, way out of my price range back then. And so that was one that I always kind of coveted, but I just never got around to because either I didn't have the money. And then eventually over time, my interest in it kind of dwindled. And so I never got there. So I, I will forgive you for not owning a warlock since you did bring up, well, I had a, a, a bitch though. And it's like, okay, well, I'll let it slide then. Because otherwise, <laughs> are you really metal if you don't have a BC Rich guitar at some point in your life? No, you're dead on. And that's why I knew I had to own a BC Rich because I was in love with Metallica. Like Metallica is like my bread and butter in terms of how I got segued into the metal world. So one of my first guitars that I bought on my own actually was a um, Gibson Gothic Explorer, a la James Hetfield, and yes. I swapped the pickups out with EMG 60s and 81s like he had back in the day. Okay, I still own that guy to this day. I love it needs a little bit of fretwork, but I love that guitar. Um, just the black on black with the moon and star, just the one single inlay on the 12th fret, just okay. you know. And so that's my metal machine. And that was, but yeah, I just, I knew I had to own a BC Rich. So I owned one for years, but it just, I just, I needed more drum stuff at the time. So I was like, you know, I got to sell it. Uh, and, and like I said, and that makes sense. And, and now that you kind of mentioned drumming, 
That kind of brings up question number two. Shoot. What did you start with? Did you start out as a guitarist and then kind of segued into drums? Did you start as a drummer and then kind of switched over to guitar? Was it simultaneous? How did this work for you? Actually, I started off on piano, oddly enough. Oh, nice. So okay. I started off on piano taking lessons when I was five, but I was a defiant little turd and never practiced. Like, I just kind of... I realized that I had a good ear and I would trick my piano teacher into playing it first and then I could recap it by ear after the fact. So my theory is not amazing, but from that I learned to have a good ear. And then, so I played piano for many years. I mean, I still play piano, but um, then in junior high school, I wanted to join the jazz band, but the piano player was legit. Like that dude was like, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't competing with that. And they had a kind of hole in the percussion area and I was like, all right, so I'll try drums. And it kind of came, I don't want to say it came naturally, but it, it came to me easier than like a tuba or something like that. And so I just kind of picked up the drums and then from there, my mom had a guitar that I would kind of strum and so I'd start playing that and that kind of transitioned to bass. So kind of around middle school is when I kind of self-taught myself the drums, the bass and guitar all kind of simultaneously, but I really owe it all to piano. You know, if I, if I, I get a lot of questions from like parents and friends, it's like if my kid wants to start, should I start him on drums or should I start him on this? It's like, no, you really should start him on piano. That laid down the fundamentals for me, personally, at least. Uh, and you know what? I would agree with you 100% on that. Uh, when I first started, uh, going way back to like third grade, uh, I started with the trumpet. Okay. And I did it because, you know, that was the thing that all the soccer moms wanted the kids to do, but it was the music moms back in the like late seventies, early eighties. And so it was my mom that kind of got me into trumpet and I absolutely hated it. Okay. And so I did it for a year, dropped it, never touched it again, never got back into it. And it wasn't until junior high that I got into guitars and whatnot. And that's because Initially, for me, it wasn't about the music. Kyle and I talked about this in the, the last time he and I were on. Me, it was all about the whole rock star thing and getting the chicks. Yep. And then it, it and then it evolved into the actual music. But going back to your piano uh, remark, that is an instrument that I wished I had learned because there was so many things that when I was growing up in the uh, late 80s, early 90s in particular, where you have these, what they called the power ballads, mm. where, and, and the one that always stuck with me to this day was from a band called Steelheart. And they had a song called She's Gone. And it's this, I mean, it's very, it's kind of whiny, sappy, because the guy, the lyrics, he's all just kind of commiserating about the fact that she's gone. But there's piano throughout it, and then all of a sudden the guitars kick in, and it just builds up into this, almost this, like, operatic orchestra. It's like a rock opera. It's crazy. It's epic as hell. And, and to me, that was something I always wanted to do when I was playing and when I had a band back in the day was, okay, I because mine was all metal, Metallica, Wasp, Kiss, all of those guys, those were all my mentors, my inspiration. But I always wanted to incorporate a piano. It was just a matter of I didn't know how to play and nobody I knew knew how to play. And so everyone I was involved with was either drummers, a uh, couple of bass guys, handful of singers, and of course, other guitarists. And so I never, 
I never got to do that. And to hear you talk about it, it's like, okay, so kids at home, for the parents that are watching, teach your kids, get them to learn piano, even if they don't want to do it, get them yep. to learn that. And then if they want to switch over to something else, fine, let them, let them bang on percussion, let them play the guitar or whatever. But get them into piano first, because even I can look back at it and go, I wished I had learned that. Because it seems like most people I've encountered that when they learned even a rudimentary understanding of the piano, transitioning over to another instrument was that much easier. Well, it lays the foundation for everything you need to know. It teaches you theory, it teaches you rhythm, bass clef, treble clef, key signatures. Like it really, very few instruments can be complete on their own, meaning not needing anything else. And that's the piano. And so because of that, you learn so many different aspects from it. So yeah, yeah, learn piano, basically, moral of the story. I love it. I absolutely love it. You, you uh, totally, like I said, reconfirmed something that I thought about, I've thought about for years. It's funny you bring up uh, that you learned a lot of it uh, where you don't really know a lot of theory, so to speak, and you uh, learned it by ear because that's kind of how I was. When I first learned the trumpet, I actually knew how to read music. You know, the, the teacher taught us. Mm -hmm. But in the years in between that and picking up the guitar, I literally forgot everything about reading music. And even to this day, I, I still can't read music. I've never uh, disciplined myself to sit down and learn how to read like sheet music. And so everything was either um, was tablature so that I knew what kind of chords they were fretting or whatever. Or it was like you, it was playing by ear. It was playing a cassette tape over and over and over to, okay, and then you got to tweak the guitar because, oh, well, shit, they retuned it on this one. Yeah. You know, whatever it was in order to figure out how to work. I know for me that I feel that kind of put me at a disadvantage, uh, not being able to read sheet music, not really understanding theory when you start getting into some of the different scales and things that you can do. Uh, because when I see that now, even now, it's still kind of like, the hell's all this? And yet, you know, oh, well, Van, Eddie Van Halen's doing, you know, Mixolydian here and, and, you know, this guy's doing this over here. And it's like, the fuck are you guys talking about? You know, I mean, I get it in concept that, oh, well, you can kind of play anything on the fretboard as long as you get the notes right so that you're not out of tune or whatever you're not out of pitch you're, you're not hitting the wrong note but it creates a totally different sound when you do it even though it's actually in key yeah and that's where theory comes in and that's something i've never i never really got to i just it was like i just want to play the songs and and i'll figure out and if it sounds good great if it doesn't maybe i need to move up or down a couple of notes whatever and and it was it was kind of a pain in the ass <laughs> really so that's so learn your a, theory kids damn learn it. your theory yeah i think that's a big reason i never really got into solos or learned a ton of songs is because i could hear it but like the intricacies of it like i could never do a video like kyle does where he just sits down and busts out note for note every single freaking thing i mean that just it still blows my mind out my butthole that he's able to do those type of things with those kind of songs yeah i'm more of like i'm gonna strum and get close and sing along and be good enough for a campfire you know what i mean that's kind of where i'm that's at in terms of my where i was too yeah yeah well and it's funny because i remember kyle when he and i talked and 
And I was like, so what what got you into music? Was it chicks? Nah. Was it this? Nah. What was it, Kyle? Guitar Hero. (laughs) Here's the thing, though. That's like, if you knew us, though, like, that's not a shock. We are the biggest bunch of nerdy dorks, like, uh, that exist in the music industry. I don't want to say the biggest, but, like, we're playing our Nintendo Switches. We're talking about the latest game fashions. We're talking about, like, all this other just nerdy stuff. So, like, the fact that that was Kyle's segue into guitar rock goddom, that doesn't surprise me at all. Okay. Hey, here's a question from the chat for yeah. either one of you. I, I I can't answer this question. I, I'm not into it enough to, to give a yay or nay on this. What do you guys think? I think online tabs ruin theory practice. I would say no, because even before online tabs were really think the way people would learn like guitar and stuff, like, I, and I'm talking about this purely from a perspective of a guitar player, um, is people would just listen to the album and just, you know, okay, this sounds right. And, you know, that's how they would learn, you know? And so it, it just really streamlines the process for learning individual songs. But where I think theory really comes into um, its usefulness is like if you're trying to write a song or like learn how to improvise like a guitar solo or something like that. So, so theory is like good for improvisation. Okay, yeah. well, that's where I missed yeah. something then. That's, yep. that's definitely where I was missing a puzzle piece. Chad, what do you think yeah. about tabs and, and theory and all that? Like the question asked, do you think it ruined it or do you, are you in agreement? I don't think it ruined it at all. I mean, I'm kind of on the same page as Kyle. Actually, I think it probably opened up the doors to a whole new level of guitar players because it's allowed them access an easier way of access to learning songs that they wanted to learn how to play. Um, so I don't see it as a negative thing at all. But I do agree that theory does come into play from a songwriting standpoint, from like a from a composition standpoint and things like that like knowing you're in this key and this type of thing and you're 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 currently in a three four time as opposed to a four four time and things like that like are pretty crucial to like a songwriting element but in terms of just learning guitar i think tablature is a fantastic thing and i would agree with that part for sure that that one i can uh i do have that experience under my belt that when i was learning different songs besides ear it was tablature especially to kind of my inner perfectionist wanted to play it note for note. And so whatever chords they were doing where you can do different variations, obviously. I was of the opinion at the time that I want to do the chords they are doing. I want to I want to get it down exactly the way James Hetfield did it or the way Dave Mustaine did it or the way Paul Stanley did it, whatever. And so I wanted to know the exact chord that they were playing on that particular song. And so tablature for me... Uh, definitely accelerated that instead of, well, it sounds close enough. And I guess for a campfire, that's great, but I want it to sound exactly like they did. So I need to figure out what, what chord were they doing? And that's where tablature to me definitely uh, helped out in that respect. It, it helped satisfy my inner perfectionist. That's for sure. So, yeah. And there's, I will add, there's a lot of like incorrect tabs out there mm-hmm. of something online like chances are something's going to be wrong in there you know if you're looking at any given tab so it's still and another um really good thing to help people learn that's all these days is 
just YouTube. There's so many yeah. videos of people showing you how to do it. And then you can even find live videos of the actual artist playing songs live to see, you know, if their hands in one position versus, versus another. So That's one thing I yeah. will say that people of today and I don't care, you know, it's not, well, the new generation, your generation. And no, this is anybody today. But compared to when I was learning guitar and growing up, YouTube didn't exist. Uh, if you saw somebody playing guitar, you either went to a show and actually saw them or you learned from a music teacher where they sat down and fretted out the notes or the chords and showed it to you there. Or in some cases, you were able to buy a VHS video where some guy was sitting down teaching you how to play a song or the guitar itself. But otherwise, you didn't have that resource. You didn't have that option. And even though tablature back then was also full of errors too, because that's just the way it goes, you, you were limited compared to today. You have so many options today that it's it's unreal you know i've i know i've said it before and i'm going to get into it with chad here in a minute because if i'm correct and you guys may make a total ass out of me here in a second but isn't chad like your guys is like sound engineer for the band correct yep. okay see that's something else i want to we'll just kind of segue into that then because i've heard your album i have your album and it sounds absolutely amazing. You guys, oh, as you. a whole, you do a great job. Okay. And I know when Jesse and Chad very first came on my show, we talked on it, touched on it a little bit. And that's where I found out because I, I asked them because I'm a YouTuber, obviously. I, I, I'm all about sound. I'm an audiophile. Uh, when I see the technology that's out there today compared to 20 plus years ago, Everything back in the day was analog. Everything back in the day cost an arm and a leg, or you had to go pay for a studio to sit down on somebody else's time, and either you rehearsed it and wrote it in studio and spent even more money, or you practiced it in your garage and you perfected it there, and then you went into the studio and recorded it, and somebody engineered it and mixed it and, and made it pop or whatever it needed to be so that it sounded the way you wanted it to sound or the way your producer, whoever it is, wanted it to sound. Where today, you have the studio technology of yesterday on your laptop, and it's affordable. In some cases, it's absolutely free. And to listen to your guys' album, to me, going back to yesteryear, it's like, oh, if I had to think about it from my old school days, it's like, oh, you guys went into some studio somewhere and you sat down and you wrote your tunes. You did like Led Zeppelin or like some of these other guys. And you were, you know, off in London somewhere drinking fucking booze and writing your songs in a, in a, a warehouse. And not really. No, you guys, you know, you, you did everything you needed to do and then you mixed it and, and refined it and everything else, all the other terminology that's not coming to my head right now. But you did it all on a laptop, I imagine. And so, Chad, number one, kudos. Thank you. You did a phenomenal job. You guys, the, your album sounds amazing. Okay. Number two, where did you learn that? 
you know, is that just kind of like everything else? You just picked it up as you went along or did you go to no, school? Oh, I went to, I absolutely went to school for it. I did a record in college, in college. I kind of, I was in a couple bands and I was self-taught to a certain point of how to do it. But I quickly realized if I want to make a potential career run out of this, and if I want to do it legit, I'm going to need some sort of formal education. Um, and that's what actually brought me to Minnesota. I attended the Institute of Production and Recording in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And, um, you know, it was a, luckily I already had my journal, I had a, already had my bachelor's, so I got to cut, shortcut a bunch of different things. So I actually got to kind of double major in audio engineering and music production. So I got to get the most of both their programs and that, um, that really set me up. That really kind of taught me, fast-tracked everything I needed to know um, from a production and engineering standpoint. So I kind of jumped in the water and, and started freelancing and then opened up my own studio. And, and you know, and unfortunately, I haven't been able to do it. I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole here full-time. Like, I haven't, you know, I still had to do things on the side to make it by. But, um, you know, it's, it's set me up to just work with some amazing people and do a lot of cool things and be very confident in my abilities to to record people and know that I'm going to give them something solid. That's awesome. Let me ask you this, going back to your schooling. Um, mm -hmm. when I was in college, I was a, uh, I was a disc jockey at the, the college radio station. Okay. Which gives me some familiarity with obviously what we're doing today and whatnot. And it back in the day, the, the soundboards and everything to mix your levels from the microphone to your your bed, your background music to the audio that you were playing over the air. Everything was analog back then where you had physical sliders and dials and knobs and, and little meter things going like this. When you were in school was it that same kind of thing or was it all kind of desktop laptop digital or was it like a hybrid did you play with both or, or was there more emphasis on one than the other no it was absolutely hybrid because keep in mind this was 12 years ago i think so though the home recording technology was there it was not at the same point as it is now but it was very much hybrid so i learned on like a Trident console and I learned on an SSL G series, but I also learned on the Avid, you know, controllers and the different digital controllers and just using straight, Pro Tools was always there. We touched on tape, but even back then people knew tape, nah, you know, it's kind of on, it's, it's it was on the out, it was else. starting to go out when I was in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was, it was definitely a hybrid. I mean, at my studio right now, we have an analog console that we use and I track on it. So there's still that analog usage at home. I'm all digital, but at my studio, we still have an analog console that we go through. So, so when you guys cut the fail safe album, did you do it like on your analog system there then, or did you actually do it all digital in your home studio type of thing? Hybrid. So the drums were all analog. The drums were all analog. We went down to my studio. We threw a bunch of different mics on it, had a party, and you know, and, and you know, recorded the drums. Uh, but I will say, and this is probably gonna—I don't know if it's gonna piss off a lot of people or anything—but in terms of the guitar and bass recording, that was 100% digital. We didn't touch a physical amplifier, and I'm kind of proud of that because I really like the way the record sounds. But we were all digital when it came to guitar and bass. And I don't know about, you know, people in the chat, if that's going to irritate them or not, or people that watch the replay, to be honest, I don't care. For <laughs> me, being an old time musician and all that, yeah, I, I, I can be a purist in some things where it's like, wow, really? But not on this one. 
this one I'm with you that it's like you know what dude that's that's where I envy that if I could you know either move myself back or forward in time or or take the technology back to 1990 type of thing it's like I wished I had this this stuff back then because I know there's guys I've talked to that they they're doing exactly what you're talking about they're literally plugging their guitars right into uh, an input output that goes straight into their computers and then they're adding all of their effects their compression the phasers the wah pedal the whatever it may be and no amplifiers ever get turned on whatsoever and they sound phenomenal and to me I don't care, you know, unless you're going live, obviously, and you're going to play in front of an audience, then yeah, you probably need to get your amplifier on point. But a lot of times that's your cabinet and your mic placement at that point, I would think. I mean, maybe you both can say you're full of shit, but it, it, it kind of, it becomes secondary as far as your first thing is, you know, knowing how to play. You can hit clean notes or whatever. You know what you're doing. You have some competency in fretting and in strumming and staying in time, yada, yada. The next thing would be, okay, now I can, you know, I got good mic placement for a live situation. And sometimes it's also dependent on the venue. You can have the best sounding amplifier in the world, but if you got a shitty PA and you got a shitty acoustic setting, it doesn't matter how good your amplifier is. is But the fact that you can plug it straight into a computer for all purposes and make it sound like whatever you intend it to be, that it can sound like a massive concert hall because you've got reverb going on, or you can make it sound like Metallica because you've got the exact filters that they were able to reproduce to say this is the James Hetfield sound or this is the Blink-182 sound or this is the the Paul Stanley sound, whatever it may be. I'm all for that. I'm all like, dude, you, we live in a world now where you don't even have to buy an amplifier if you know for a fact you're not going to go play live. You can practice without an amp. You can plug it into your computer and you can, if you know how to play, you can sound phenomenal. Well, hell, so even if I'm you, all for it. Even if, even if you do go live, I mean, that was a big game changer for me because a couple of years ago, I was like, I don't know, I don't know. But then I started watching, like, learning that Metallica uses Axe Effects live, learning that Mastodon uses Axe Effects live, learning that all these bands who are like boutique amplifier guys are like, no, nope, we're making the switch. I was like, shit. Well, if they're going, yes, kudos to the shirt. I see the things in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, um that was that for me was kind of a changer when a buddy of mine who was the biggest tube snob in the world bought an axe effects i was like all right there's something to that and then luckily me because there's a lot of crap emulators out there don't get me wrong there's a lot of stuff where you're just kind of like that sounds gross and harsh and disgusting but thankfully between me and kyo i think we have at least the best in the business in terms of guitar amp emulators and simulators and so it just makes our lives so much easier from a live standpoint and from a recording standpoint it really is plug and play and tweak a little bit and there you go don't have to worry about mics don't have to worry about room ambiance don't have to worry about any of that crap it's just you just it's just so much easier which i think in turn really freezes it up for creative freedom because you're not worried about your gear at that point in time you're just like we got the tones we got the sounds let's just play and have fun you know a hundred percent hundred percent i i'm with you all the way that's where yeah i'm not a purist it's like no if i can 
I, I always look at it from a, a kind of a practical, pragmatic standpoint that if I can make the, my instrument sound however it is I want it to sound, if I can make it do that, who cares if it's an, a bona fide Marshall amplifier or a PV amplifier or whatever it is? Why do I need to spend a thousand dollars on a cabinet that takes up a fuck ton of space in my house in my studio i have to lug that bitch around wherever i go in order to play because i remember that when we would rehearse in the band i was in we rehearsed at the drummer's house because his kit was the most cumbersome thing to move around and so it was far easier for us guitarists and bass player to to load up our cars or our trucks or whatever and bring that stuff to his place. And yet I would always take my amplifier to and from his place because when I would go home, I would practice at home. And back then I still wanted to hear it, so I needed my amplifier. And, you know, and it had its effects and pedals and stuff that I had hooked up to it. And I look at it now and I think, God, how fucking easy would that be? You literally either, if you have the studio like maybe you guys do where, hey, it's kind of communal and everybody just leaves their gear there or whatever. But if not, all Kyo's got to do is come to your place or go to the studio and all he's got to bring is his guitar and that's it. Because everything else is on the computer. He just plugs it in and, okay, fire up these things and click this and fire that guy up and tweak this and let's go. <laughs> he doesn't have to, well, I got to... God damn it, I gotta move the dog out of the way and I gotta shove this big ass amplifier into the back seat and hope to God it doesn't, I don't break hard and it pushes into my seat and puts me into the windshield and all that kind of nonsense. So I'm definitely not a purist in that area. It's like, fuck that, I don't want to drag a bunch of gear around. Yeah, so. you, you basically 100% accurately described our situation right there. <laughs> yeah, literally... When, it, when it's time to track guitars for a new song, I just bring my guitar over to Chad's house where he's got his, you know, home studio set up and we just record it there. That's it. Yeah. And how much time? Oh my God, how much time are you saving? Because I'm all I can oh. think of is, again, back in the day. I'm thinking, God, if it was back in the day and Chad's calling me up, hey, Rob, it's we need to record a track. Okay. So now I got to drag the amplifier out to the car. And in my current house, that means I got to go down like 14 stairs carrying a big ass amplifier. Okay. I may or may not have assistance, most likely not. And so I hope to God I don't fall down the stairs. Okay. Put it in the car. Then I got to lock the car up because thieves. And now I got to go back in the house and then grab all of my effects of my pedals and everything else because they're all analog. And that's a box unto itself. And I got to go out, put that in the car, lock the car up because thieves go back in the house and then grab the guitar itself. And then hope to God, all that shit doesn't go flying forward because some kid on a bicycle cut in front of me and I had to brake hard. Then I get to Chad's house and now, well, Chad's here or maybe he's here. I don't know. But hey, Chad, you going to come out and help me unload this gear? Fuck you, Rob. Get it out yourself because I'm eating Cheetos. <laughs> All right, fine. And so now I got to lug all the shit in or in all honesty, I'm sure Chad would actually come out and help me unload all the gear. But I just spent probably grand total an hour lugging gear to and from. And we haven't even set up to record, uh, to warm up, nothing. It's We're just moving shit around. And I'm probably an hour into it. 
And then it's also the teardown of, okay, well, we got it. It sounds good. I'll work on it. I'll master it, all that stuff. Okay, dude, well, if you don't need me anymore, I'm going to go home. So now I got to spend another half hour loading the car again. And then I got to unload it when I get back home. And it's like, what a pain in the ass. And so, yeah, it's like, oh, God, I just bring the guitar. I bring the BC Rich Warlock. And, and we start <laughs> doing our thing. You know, that's the, that's the best part, guys. We live in such an era now that some of you, you take it for granted. And I get it because either you were real little at the time when I was, you know, getting into this. Or some of you may have not even been around. And so this is just what you know. And you're like, why are you all excited about this, Rob? Why are you literally beating off to this? And it's because you have no idea how good you guys have it now. Because I remember, I remember lugging gear around. I remember my other guitarist dropping his amplifier and busting it and it totally ruined it and he had to buy a new amp. And, and all that kind of crap that it's like, oh my God, how easy would have it had been to just, I just grab my guitar, get in the car, show up, plug in a cable and warm up for a few minutes, get my fingers fluid and loose and go. And then, okay, let's, let's do a few takes here to make sure we're getting it and then lay it down. And then in my case, I was uh, an anal retentive enough guy that I would have probably been the sound engineer, which is why I, I love asking Chad the questions here, because that's kind of how I was back in the day. I was the reluctant singer because I was the best singer we had in the group. And that's not saying much. But I was also the main lead guitarist, and I was also the primary songwriter. And so I would kind of record something on a ghetto blaster on a tape or whatever, and then play it for the guys and be like, this is what I was thinking. And then kind of the drummer would figure out his part because I can't tell him how to play the drums. But the other guitarist, I could be like, I need you to do this and show him what I was looking at, what I was thinking of. And then we would, you know, kind of figure it out and sort it out. And now I look at it and I think, oh, God, how easy would all this be? You guys really have no idea how good you got it. Take advantage of it. My God. <laughs> no, we're spoiled. And we recognize that we're spoiled. But we're also totally okay with it. We're like, we, we embrace the spoiledness. <laughs> that is, that is what we should. have. Yeah. As you should. As you should. And, and that's what I mean. I, I've, I've listened to your album multiple times. And every time, you know, the first time it was just to kind of like, like your, your average listener, I guess you could say, I'm just listening to it just to enjoy it. And, and just, ah, here, okay. What, what do they kind of sound like? What's their style? What, where, where would I kind of put these guys on the spectrum of, of rock and roll? You know, what, what, what are these guys? Okay. And so I kind of figured out for myself where you guys fit in and it's, it's a good spot. And then it later it's okay. Well now. Now I'm listening to it. I'm listening to Kyle and I'm like, what's he doing here? What's this? What's going on here? Oh, Benno's doing well, what's what the fuck is he doing here? What's Nobody that? What, no, no one knows what he's doing. We ask that question every day, <laughs> you know, and then I'm listening to I'm listening to you, Chad. I'm listening to the drums. and I'm like, what's he doing? Oh, what's all oh, that's interesting. And then I kind of put it all back together. And of course, I'm listening to Jesse well on. But then I kind of put it all back together. And then I'm listening to it from more of a, a production end kind of critical ear of how does all this tie together? How does all this work? And I'm sitting there and that's why I'm like, 
I have to find out. I have to know, like, were you guys like in old school studio where there's some dude sitting behind the mixing board? There's, you know, three assholes in the back going, or going, mm, and you guys are in a studio all playing together and, and working off each other, or was it exactly as you explained it to me? And it's like, oh my God, you guys literally, oh, I got my laptop here. We're plugging in this guy here now, play. And I'll, I'll, I'll don't worry, don't worry, Kyle. I'll, I'll make you sound good. I'll mix this down and fix it up and fatten <laughs> oh, no. it up and whatever else. No, 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 no. No, that's not <laughs> no, how they went. If you only knew, I work my guys hard. I make them do oh. multiple. I make them do multiple takes. I, we do punch-ins. We I work them pretty good. So you um, got the drop out, and you're whipping your hand, going again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what, Especially what our singer. Yeah. yeah. For I think vocals and guitar, he likes to get uh, four takes each for both the 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 regular take and the double, because he's got to double everything. Um, oh, so Jesse's got to sing the same part eight times, <laughs> yeah. and he's very unhappy about it a lot of the time. Yeah, he's got his own recording rituals. Uh, like I, pretty much every time he screws up, there's a fuck or something like that. I know. I I wish. Like, I, I really wish, and I'm kind of mad at myself that I didn't keep all of the outtakes. Oh of God! Because it, it would have like album of bloopers <laughs> it would have been it we might have set the guinness book of world record for the amount of fucks that were stated you know it was yeah oh shit i love it i love it but no i work my guys hard but i think the end result's good and i think they understand like you know i mean kyle you can speak to this i mean you know i, we, it, I think the res, the result the proof is in the pudding i think our stuff sounds pretty awesome i think it's because of the hard work that we all put into it and understanding that yeah i gotta play four takes and we're gonna take the best of those four takes as opposed to just taking one and just being done with it and and yeah. that type of stuff so nice definitely hey, pays off yeah. keep talking about it guys i'll be right back i got a small emergency i need to take care of so i'll be right back so keep yeah. going well how about we open it up to any anybody have any questions in the chat there or anything like that and we'd be especially if it's like audio gear related because i get i nerd out hardcore on that stuff yeah. hey red sings the blues good to have you here um dl yeah benno he's he's quiet he's been doing his own thing but uh we're we are gonna try to get him on this show too at some point so you can hear what he's all about benno is like our fine tooth comb he's very chill but when he speaks his words are very important and very impactful about just the band in general or the music that we're making or things like that so he's kind of the silent hero of the band if that was a good way to describe benno plus the guy's got the best hair in the band let's be honest that guy's mane is fantastic yeah he's, he looks like rock and roll jesus right now it's yes he does pretty long. yeah the outtakes would be a great seller on the failsafe website i fully agree i'm i kick yeah. myself every time for not keeping them because he's also a big rick flair fan and so he'll throw out some woos and some like <laughs> i kid you not there was one time there's one time he threw his water bottle on the ground and he dropped an elbow on the water bottle like wrestling move in the actual vocal booth and i was like god bless america my singer's nuts like just you know just i love him to death but yeah he's, he's uh he's jesse he's jesse he's jesse's jesse. been a jesse 
Well, that reminds me of uh, a video that you guys put up uh, that was great. And it was the, are you winning, son? Yeah. And he was playing like a video game or pinball or something like that. And, and all I hear is a bunch of fox. <laughs> and I'm like, see, now this is the kind of stuff that would make for great B-roll, great side merch, blooper type of stuff is these kind of things. Which brings me to uh, the next thing. Uh, I gotta, I gotta pull it up here. Let's see, where is it at? I had it bookmarked, or I thought I did. Where'd it go? Because uh, I'm sure there's some people that are dying to know. Where is it? No, that ain't it. I got a lot of bookmarks, guys. They're handy. Well, they are. Oh, I gotta clean them up. Yeah, ah, here it is. Here it is. Okay, let me let me pull this up. And then I gotta. This is what happens when you're a boomer and you're still trying to figure out tech. Okay, all right. So I got that. I'm legitimately nervous right now. You should be. Oh dear God. I was wondering about that term boomer. Like how long it's gonna last? Like is it when I'm a millennial and when I'm old, am I gonna be called a boomer? Even though that's like way removed from my generation i don't know let's see that's not the one come on there we go oh here we go oh dear god how did you <laughs> find this how did you find this rob <laughs> So, uh, oh my Chad, god, you apparently have a past. Boy, do I. Uh, you want to explain this to the kids at home? The best way I can describe it, to be totally honest, is you know how on, like, on the weekends you'd get together with your friends and you'd jam, or you'd get together with your friends and you'd play basketball, you'd get together with your friends and you'd play D&D. I'd get together with my friends and we'd wrestle. So what was your uh, what was your name? My official name towards the end of my career uh, was Chad McCain. And I was part of a wrestling group to where we had the brains, the bronze and the muscle. And I was the muscle. And um, it was a kick in the pants. I loved it. And we started off on a trampoline that we modified into a ring. And then we actually bought a ring and it. I mean, people would come from the neighborhood and actually watch us. And then it segued into like local fairs would ask us to come wrestle. And it just kind of segued into like the semi-professional thing. I mean, we're never, you know, we were just doing it for fun, but it was just, I loved it. I did it for years, all throughout high school, up through college. And it was so just fun. Did you, did you actually sustain any injuries? Nothing major, thankfully. A um, couple bloody lips, bumps and bruises for sure. You know, strained muscle here and there, but not, thankfully nothing nothing crazy or anything like that. Um, I do got to give a shout out because the man who kind of, who, uh, never mind, I probably shouldn't because this is going to look bad in his injury. Never mind, forget what I said. Anyway, a buddy of mine, <laughs> I'm just, I was about to say something and I caught myself, but uh, no, it was, it was run by a good buddy of mine and, and his dad who was just, uh, it was just a very kind of communal fun thing to bring a bunch of knuckleheads together who were just kind of 
social rejects and we all just kind of had a fun outlet to do things that we loved and that's that's really what it boiled down to i i love it uh i'm not gonna say how i got a hold of that but trust me now you understand that rob has ways oh man i didn't even know that i mean i kind of knew that existed but i was like no one's gonna find that shit no yeah, one's gonna except, find it. except rob has connections i i know a lot of people on the internet kyle you're uh, dead to me <laughs> why are you going after him he didn't do nothing wrong <laughs> no no, it's it's totally fine. I kid. I mean, it's it's it, you know, it was it was it's a unique fun time. I remember like one of my last matches. I finally invited my parents, and they were like, "You do what? How long have you been doing this?" Because I lied for years. I told my parents I was going to barbecues on the weekends at my friend's house, which was not an entire lie. I just happened to be wrestling while the barbecue was taking place, and so. They, my dad and my brother actually came and they thought it was the most awesome thing in the world. They thought it was just so well done and such a kick in the pants. I thought I was going to get my ass chewed out and was going to get in trouble. Quite the opposite. They thought it was fantastic. So, Okay, and you just brought up a great little point there. Uh, I always tell people in my videos and when I do all the crap I do, I always look for the nugget as I call it, where it's kind of like the, the, the G.I. Joe cartoon at the very end of the episode, they'd say, and the moral oh, yeah. of the story is, and then they'd give it to you. Well, here's one of those nuggets, kids. Do what you want to do. Don't be afraid that someone's not going to like it or that they're going to chew your ass like what Chad just said. They might actually enjoy it and think that was fantastic. So there's a nugget for you right there. Whatever it is you want to do, do it. Because worst case, yeah, someone might chew your ass or think you're an idiot. Who cares? Yeah. Right? You still enjoyed it. You were able to say, ah, oh, man, I, that was a good time. You know, you get to go 20 years back or 10 years back and go, where the fuck did you find that? But you're not ashamed of it because obviously Chad's not. And, and he shouldn't be. It's like, dude, that was fantastic when I watched that. I was like, oh, I got to bring this up. Because not everybody I know, I mean, I knew a few guys because when I was younger, that's something, we had something similar where one of, it was actually my my rhythm guitarist. That's your European champion, Bill. European champion. There's me holding I up the belt. It. <laughs> yeah. Back, of, back in my long hair days. <laughs> When I was young, uh, back in the band days, my rhythm guitarist in his basement had built a makeshift boxing ring. And oh, no. that's what we would do. Anyone that we would all go over to his house at some point after school or whatever. And inevitably, it was Fight Club going on in his basement. Okay. We had a few rules where it was like no headshots because nobody wanted the bloody lip or whatever because we didn't have headgear. We just mm. had the gloves and you got in the ring and away you went. Some guys actually kind of knew how to box. Most of us, myself including, had no idea what we were doing. But I remember the first time walking into that ring and I'm shitting my pants thinking, oh my God, what did I, what did I just get myself talked into? And I had to go up against a guy that they called him, what, what the hell was his, because he had a name kind of like you did, Chad. They called him Sprinter. Little skinny kid. No, they called him the Dodger. That's what it was, the Dodger. And this kid, like, nobody could hit him 
because he would just move, boom, 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 around. Okay, well, I get in that ring with him, and I got the gloves on, and, and my dad had taught me how to fight. So I'm like, all right, here we go. Well, the Dodger, you know, he takes a couple of jabs at me, and I'm kind of feeling him out. And next thing I know, I realize it was more instinctual than anything. It's like, get close. He can't dodge you if you're almost chest to chest. And so I got within a real close range and he takes a couple of pops at me and I block him. And then I just put one right in his side and you hear the wind go right out of him. And he looks at me and you can see the fear in his eyes. And from that point, I owned him. Any direction he went, I was able to hit him. And everybody, when it was over, was like, I want to fight you next, Rob. And it's like, <laughs> oh, God, you know, because they're like, dude, you took on the Dodger. Nobody could hit him, and yet you just kept hitting him. And so he'd always try to stay to my left because my left arm didn't have as much power as my right arm. Anytime he got around the right, man, I, I put the hurt on this kid. And so he learned real fast, stay to his left, take the abuse from that side. Don't let that right hand get anywhere near me because that that hurts. And, and so I remember that when I got done, I felt exhilarated that it was like, oh, that was okay. In fact, that was even funner than street fights because street fights fucking hurt. That didn't really hurt all that much. Plus, we weren't doing headshots. So it was just all body and that was it. So it's like, ah, oh, it was no big deal. You get over the fear. You, you realize you're not going to break. And even if you lost, because the next guy I went up with, yeah, he kicked my ass. And it was like, eh. But at the end of it, nobody looked at me as like, oh, you're a pussy or you're a weirdo or whatever. They, they, you know, they, hey, good, good fight, man. You did good. And that was that. And then we all, you know, did our thing, which back then was the illegal drinking. But <laughs> hey, that's what it was, you know. So, guys, the nugget, do what you want. Yeah. Okay? Have no shame in it. And don't worry about being um, judged or have disapproval. Because one, the people that are going to judge are going to judge no matter what. Okay, it doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are. They're going to judge anyway. And even if you're flawless doing whatever, somebody's going to nitpick it. And that's life. That's them. That's on them. And they're the ones who they get to live with themselves. Okay, they get to live with themselves 24 hours a day. You only have to put up with it for 10 seconds. The other side is more often than not, you're going to find out most people are rooting for you. Because yeah. I've seen that. I've been the guy rooting for people. Uh, the last time I saw George Carlin live before he died, he totally like lost his spot in his little monologue. He totally just, it was gone. And he's standing there and you could see the wheels turning in his head and he's like, fuck. And he starts stuttering and stammering and everybody's on the edge of their seat. And I'm just like, oh, come on, George, you got this. You can do this. And all of a sudden, he caught it. It was like, boom, and he was right back into his routine. And everyone's like, ah, yeah. Sit back, laugh, cheer him on, and away he went. Most of the people are going to be your biggest fans, even if yeah. you don't know it. They're not judging you. They're rooting for you. So do it. Do what Chad did. Be, be Chad McCain. Be Chad Thundercock. So. <laughs> yes. So that's what I got there. So, um... Chad, going back to your your uh, your engineering a little bit because yeah, this sure. this just fucking fascinates the hell out of me uh, because I'm a, a big believer that when, especially where like where I apply it to YouTube 
Video is good, but I do believe that your audio makes up at least half, if not more. It, it, that if you sound like you're in a tin can or you got a lot of road noise and a lot of distractions going on in the background, I don't care how good the video resolution is. I, I'm probably going to walk away or turn it off or go to another video just because it's too distracting with all the background stuff. Mm -hmm. um, what is you mentioned like with your guys that you're doing a minimum of like four to eight takes. Mm -hmm. So great. And I understand that the redundancy there, I get it. Cause sometimes this take sounds just a little better than that take. Kyle was a little more on point on this one than he was on that one. Jesse got whatever you were looking for, listening for. He got it on this take where he didn't really get it on that take. Correct. What's your, what's your next step? Once you've kind of taken all of your takes and you've listened to them and you decided, or as a band, maybe you all kind of, Hey, I really like that take the best, whatever the, uh, the process is there, but you've narrowed it down to these are the takes we're going to use. These mm -hmm. are the ones. What do you, what's, what's your next, what's your next step? What do you do after that? Yeah. So once I've kind of narrowed it down to the four or five takes or however many takes it is that I enjoyed or what I thought were the best, then I would literally, and this is why it takes so long, I think for records to come out is the editing process is just ridiculous. <laughs> and so I will, I will listen. So for example, for, for Jesse, for our singer, if he's got uh, a, a verse that's like 12 phrases long, I will listen to each individual phrase per take then i'll take the one that i like the best and put it up to a master track okay and then i listen to the next set of phrases and i take the one that i like the best and i set it up to a master track and then i keep going through that process until i have a master track that is the best portions of all the takes that okay, i can so then you're go literally taking segments from each take and piling them up onto the master track then you got it yep okay and, and that's can I take you kind of do the same thing with like the guitars and all 100%. that? 100%. Every single instrument, guitar, drums, bass. The only thing I don't really do it with is the synths because those are kind of like pretty much already locked in stone. And it's not a take thing because it's done through MIDI. And so right. if we have to move something, we'll just go back and grab a note and adjust it. But like any live instrumentation, that's the process that I go through. Now, let me let uh, this is something I want to throw out to uh, the people in the chat and the replay watchers because I already know where this kind of goes because video editing is very similar uh, and where I do all of my own takes and all of my own editing on the stuff I do other than these live things pretty much whatever flubs are there that's that's how it is. But anything that I pre-record, I know for me how long it takes me to edit something into a finished product. A four-minute song, Chad. Look, we're just any song on the Failsafe album. You pick whatever one you want. I don't care. Four-minute song. How long from the time that you laid it down, you guys got together, Kyle did his thing, he did his four takes or whatever. Everybody did their parts, but now you're... You're doing your magic. You're rubbing your hands together and folding your arms and doing the genie nod. How long does it take from the point where you start your process to finish? That song is finished. This is what's going to be on the album. How long? How how many hours are we talking? Oh, about? man. I You know, and I tell myself I'm going to track this every time and I never do because I really should. <laughs> but, for a, but for a four minute song, for a four minute song, between mixing, editing, everything, I don't know, 18 to 24 hours per song. Per song. K 
kids. Okay, yeah. a four-minute song on average. And in yes, Chad, you should track it, and I'll tell you why. Not only for nerd stats, because we're all a bunch of nerds, let's admit it. Not only for nerd stats, but obviously, and I'm not going to tell you how to run a business. You do what you got to do. But at the same time, that's billable hours. Okay. Oh, I charge by the hour. What do you charge? I charge $100 an hour to record and mix and, and edit and everything to make your album for somebody else, you know, not your own band unless you really want to rape these guys. But it's the idea that that's billable hours. Well, it took me 18 hours to make this one song. It took me, you know, you figure it out, you figure out your formula, but that's to give you an idea, guys, because I know for me to do an eight-minute video and I'm not mixing multiple instruments with multiple takes. All I'm doing is going in and cutting out mistakes and uhs and ums and stutters and that kind of thing. And I'm cutting out some of the dead air to shorten the video up a little bit to give it a little more of a faster tempo. And then I'm putting my background music in, but I just did one today, right before we did this. I recorded it this morning and then I started my edit process and polished it up and everything I needed to do. It took me three hours to do an eight minute video. And that's me like, okay, I'm drinking my coffee and I'm, and I'm shooting up my fucking, you know, my, my Adderall and everything else to really get into the groove to let's get this done. I'm putting my phone on mute so nobody's bothering me and distracting me. Turn the TV off the whole nine yards. I'm focusing solely on the video. But from start to finish was three hours. So there's an idea for you, kids. If you want to do this professionally, you make a professional fail-safe album. <laughs> 18 to 24 hours per song. And then people complain about paying a dollar for a song. <laughs> yeah, considering yeah. <laughs> you're never going to get the amount of time you're never going to get the compensation for the amount of time no. that you put into it you'll never get it cuz otherwise you're going to it's going to be like well guys this album's going to cost you $17,000 you're never going to get it no music yeah. is like music is a cost loss at this point in time it's it's Absolutely. it's there it's there to get people to buy your merch it's there to get people to to your there we go it's there it's buy it's the total, shirt. Yeah. damn it yeah. buy the shirt it's a I, it's a total cost right thing. I'll go for it. But yeah, I mean, when, once you kind of embrace that and realize that, I mean, it, it's it's a necessary evil because I know we're not going to make the money back on the music. What we're going to make the money back on is the merch or like, God willing, whenever we start playing again. Yeah, um, when the lockdowns end and they let you go out and be in public again. Yeah. 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 So. But yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing to where that used to be the biggest moneymaker was the album, was the record. And now it's just like people are just giving away music to try to hopefully get them to come to the other um, income streams. It's I mean, the whole the whole game has just completely been twist turned upside its head over the last several years. And you're you're aware of it. But it's, oh, yeah. it's, but it's just kind of incredible to see how how it has flipped in such a short period of time. Let me ask you this. Uh, since you brought it up. What's your take, your personal opinion about that, about the flip from it's all about the album or the royalties because of the, the songwriting, all of that, the music itself versus the merchandise or the ticket sales. 
where it has flipped to, you know, well, the album's just to get you to buy the shirt. What do you, how do you feel about that? Do you think that's a good thing? I mean, it is what it is and I get that, but how do you feel about it, Chad? What's your thoughts on it? I mean, I I guess it's just, it's kind of, you evolve. I mean, a great quote that I got from someone, I don't remember what it was. It's like, you evolve or die. And so if that's the way the industry is going, whether or not you like it or you hate it, you have to embrace it to make it oh, work. I I agree with that too, and you're a hundred percent on that. It's adapt or die. But how do you feel about it? Do you like that, or do you wish it was? You know, again, I I understand you got to adapt or die. That that's not even in question. But how do you feel about it? You know, I guess it, I've never really thought about it. This is a great question. Um, I'm torn because I think I enjoy, I, I think you should be rewarded for the music and the album that you created because that's like blood, sweat, and tears. You know, yes. I mean, that's that's arguably one of the hardest, for those of you who guys have made a record, legitimately, you know what's involved. If you haven't made a record, it's like, I don't want to compare it to childbirth, but it's kind of like, you know, you have this it concept. It is your baby. It's your baby. It's your baby. It's your baby and to see you not reap the benefits of your baby it's it's heartbreaking to a certain extent sometimes like it really is you're just you know to it, it stings a little bit to know that like you know we're throwing out cds it's like um even a, i'd take just a couple bucks even but no we're throwing out cds to get people interested and so from my perspective from a producer perspective from an engineering perspective or from a drummer's perspective it, it stings a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Just to be like, that's my art that I'm giving away for free. And you're enjoying it. And yet I'm broke. <laughs> so it's kind no, of. I, and I get that. And this and this isn't shitting on the audience. It's not about that. No. It's just that this is where we're at in the world today. Yeah. That back in the day, it was all about the album. Yeah. It was all about the album. The, the record companies back in the day, everyone can say all the bad shit they want to say about the record companies. And, and I would probably agree with 99% of it. Mm-hmm. But they were the ones that that was your thing. That was your baby. Here's, here's Motley Crue's Shout at the Devil. Here's Metallica's Master of Puppets. And yeah, as, as an artist, you should get your royalties and whatever else that you've agreed to. And you, if you did it yourself and you're able to, to keep those royalties or you're able to buy them back or whatever it is, fine, great, do that. I'm with you 100%, Chad, because I agree that, that to me it's, it's, it's a bitter pill to swallow that this is your baby and I have to... Unfortunately, because that's just the way technology is, the way the times are, I have to give that away and hope to God you buy a t-shirt, which is what's going to pay me back, which is a great shirt, by the way. I love your shirt. It's it's high quality. But you didn't spend 18 hours making a t-shirt. No. You know, in fact, you came up with design, however long that took, and then it's okay, we need to find a company that's reputable, that's going to make, you know, use quality fabric and make a quality print. But that's all out of your hands at that point. That's automation, literally. That's somebody else doing that. And so you guys are barely blinking an eye for that, which from a monetary standpoint benefits you because it's like, oh, hey, you didn't have to do shit. Yeah. You got paid. But it's the fact that you're giving away your album to do it. 
Yeah, which is why I'm so thankful for the people that do buy it as opposed to stream it or whatever the case may be, just because, I mean, that hits home for us. I mean, even that, you know, we, I mean, I wish I could call each of you individually and be like, thank you, you know, and I wish I had the, the means to do that. But so that's why the people that buy, actually buy the album, um, hey, that hits, for me, that hits home. Chad. Yeah. You're already saying thank you right now. <laughs> True. If you want to say it again, you can. This is when I first found Kayo, and I'm nobody on the internet, but apparently I'm somebody to a few people. Kayo was one of these dudes that just started following me. And I always check on my followers just to see what guys are out there or what people, because women too, to see, you know, who who's following me. I check them every now and then. And I see this guy with a guitar in his avatar. And I'm like, who the hell's this guy? And he had a link to his YouTube channel where he was absolutely destroying Dragon Force. And I'm just like, oh my God. And I even said it. I was like, dude, where the hell did you come from? And where have you been hiding? And why aren't you promoting yourself? And so from my little tiny itty bitty insignificant circle of the internet i started pushing kyle because i like what he does okay and that led you know that oh kyle has a band well who's this band i gotta see who this is oh what the failsafe what the fuck is all this about and it turns into this snowball where yeah i bought the album and i love the album to oh let's bring jesse and kyle on the show so i can try to do my little tiny part to say guys check this fucking band out these guys are great and they're not so high and mighty as to be like ah you little peons we're rich and famous and go fuck yourself no they're regular people like you and me they they still gotta buy their breakfast in the morning and figure out how they're gonna eat okay and they're bleeding their album out to you and then it's me and Kyle, and we're having conversations about, is Led Zeppelin, in fact, the greatest band ever? No. <laughs> and it's now, well, hey, let's get Chad on so I can tease him about not having a BC Rich Warlock and the fact that he was a professional wrestler of sorts. Okay. And here's your chance, both of you, and you've pretty much done it, but you want to tell your fans thanks, here you go. Here's one of those ways. This is my way, if I can, to do my small part to say thank you for you guys doing what you're doing. Because you guys are amazing. You have amazing music, and I hope you keep at it. And while you, I may not be able to pay you $20,000 for an album, because I don't have that kind of money, I appreciate what you do. And I understand that you're giving away the baby. And I know how much that hurts but you do it anyway because of the love of the baby. Yeah. And yeah. I, as a fan, appreciate that. Oh, man hug. Man hug to you, Rob. Right? <laughs> so let's light it up a little bit here. Well, actually, first of all, uh, I want to mention Wanda here. You're welcome, Chad. See, there you go. See, you got fans in the in the group here. Yeah, I want to give a big shout out to Wanda and uh DL in the chat there. They're some of our biggest supporters of our band. They they really have bought quite a bit of our merch and they're always there liking and sharing all of our posts and commenting. And so shout out to you guys. 
And this is how Metallica had their start too. It's this is the digital version of word of mouth. Yeah, Big Two yeah. as well. I, I think he's he's bought some stuff. I'm pretty sure he has. I know Bull Rush yeah. did, and I know yeah. Bull Rush heard about you guys from me because I wouldn't shut up, and he finally decided, the hell's Rob rambling on about? What's he ranting about now? And he's <laughs> like, oh fuck, these guys are really good. I'm like, right. <laughs> All right, you know, it's like I don't always just shoot my mouth off just because I can. Once in a while, I do have something to say. So what? Here's a question that Red sings the blues asks: What? What's your genre? What do you guys consider yeah. yourself? Oh, we Jeff we always, Polka. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we've always kind of gone by electronic rock, but that's kind of a vague genre. Um, and so what I put as like our marketing pitch is that if you're a fan of brand bands like Bring Me the Horizon, Linkin Park, A Day to Remember, or I Prevail, you'll like our band. And they're kind of like metalcore bands, I guess you could say. Okay. Like a, And we, I guess suppose we fall into that genre, but more on the lighter side of it. Like we're not super screamy like a lot of those bands are. No, I get it. Um, yeah. Can I can I throw in my two cents from being the, the Gen X guy in the in the, the panel here about what you just said? Yeah. Um, four cents, go for it. Not one of those things other than Linkin Park made sense to me. Yeah. Okay, and, and I'm not saying <laughs> that as a criticism. Use that as a tool because you are going to have people like me that are older that I don't understand some of the the new genres, metalcore, and but a lighter version. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that means. And some of the bands you mentioned, most of them, I, I have no idea who that is. I don't listen to them. But Linkin Park, on the other hand, yeah, yep, I know who they Linkin are. Park in there because most people know them, even if they're not into like newer music. And and so, that's a key, yeah. in my opinion. That if you want to reach a broader audience, you want to reach even more people, not just the younger people, which granted, they're going to be your biggest audience. And I get that. But if you want to reach us old farts, throw in things like that, like Linkin Park. And maybe if there's other bands that you're like, yeah, these guys are, we kind of sound like them or we take a certain uh, flavor from them. Throw that in as well so that us old farts go, oh, these guys are kind of like a progressive fucking Led Zeppelin. Oh, I, I understand Led Zeppelin. And do these guys sound like Led Zeppelin? No. But you have a certain thing where the term progressive Led Zeppelin would fit. And I could say, that makes sense. You know, or they're, they're kind of like, they, they, they kind of do a little hat tip to Metallica here and there. Oh, I like Metallica. I know who they are. I grew up with Metallica. Do you sound like Metallica? No. But there's certain flavors that, yeah, it does actually. Okay. You, you know, that if I was to say from a Gen X perspective, what would I call failsafe without getting all molecular like you kind of did, Kyle? You guys are fucking a, a cross between just like hard rock and heavy metal and maybe yeah. to you guys that's like incredibly underwhelming no. but to, but to no. an old part like me that's how i would classify you without starting to get into the molecular well we're we're dissecting them and we're sipping wine and i got this note of cherry and a little hint of apple no it's like what are these guys they're hard rock heavy metal and most of the guys I know, that's all they would need. They're like, who's failsafe? Oh, dude, they're like this 
hard rock slash heavy metal band that it's they're obviously new you got to check them out but they're if, if you got to know what they are they're hard rock heavy metal oh okay cool i'll check it out and that's Sometimes it. it's the simplest description is all that's needed no no yeah yeah <laughs> we're like slayer but lighter See, there yeah. you go. Just a, wrong, but, uh, yeah it's yeah just a skosh lighter just minimalistic yeah we, our songs are also not, you know, you're not singing about the devil and about, you know, yeah. switch the kingdom of pain, the way that I want you to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you guys are a little bit lighter in your subject matter. Yeah. This is the dark arts that go on there. But it is that idea that, like I said, most of the bands you mentioned, there was a couple others that kind of rang a bell for me, but it was barely a blip. But Linkin Park, and I was like, that actually is a good, that's a good analogy. Cause yeah, you guys kind of are, yeah, you're not, I, I, but it's enough for me. If I'm yeah. ever talking to a, a, a boomer and I ask him <laughs> what kind of music we're making, I say, we're like a modern day Lincoln park. That's what I'll say to him. Yeah. And that's a good one. And if there's other bands that were in that same kind of vein as Lincoln park, I guess that sound similar or they're part of that genre then that's what I would go with as well or add it into everything else you're already doing. So that way you're not alienating, you know, us old farts, the boomers and the Gen Xers too. That way it's like, oh, you know, yeah, we're like Lincoln Park, but better, you know, newer, <laughs> we're like this, whatever it is. But that way, you know, old guys like me, I understand it. And at least then I kind of have an idea of, oh, this is what they are. Where when it's, well, you know, where this metalcore grind, uh, and I'm like, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? I don't know. What that means. You know, to me, it's like, what, are you are you guys Limp biscuit? only you're edgy or what? I don't know what this is. You know, so that's a good idea. We have that. <laughs> and then, of course, we have our little side project, which is like about as polar opposite as you can get from the failsafe in terms of our acoustic little... Oh yeah, little, little, little yeah, duo well, about that four chord story. Yeah. Oh well, you guys. Okay, so yeah. I'm gonna use the bathroom real quick. Start talking about that. I want to hear about that, and I'm sure the others do because hey, this is another chance. So bring it up. I want to hear it. Okay. Well, I mean, geez, four chord story has been around longer than the failsafe. It's been around longer than the previous band, I think, that we were in. And it really would just kind of stem. The truth of it is, is like my dad would always kind of complain, like, why don't you write something mellow? <laughs> it was always his thing to me, because though, though my parents are huge supporters and I'm very thankful for that. My dad is like, why don't why don't you write something mellow? And so over the years, I just kind of started writing more mellow acoustic music. Um, but I never really wanted to be a solo performer. I kind of always, I love the idea of being in a band and I love the idea of playing with someone. And lo and behold, it wasn't even like a question in my mind. I was like, Kyle's going to be that person. I don't even think I asked. I just think I was like, Hey, you're going to play guitar and acoustic. Well, it, what it really was is it kind of grew out of other, another band we were trying to do. Remember, like if we want to go way back to how me and Chad met. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So Chad, he, um, was in another band called the X Project. This was back, I think, six years ago now in 2015. At least. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I I had just moved to the Twin Cities um, like just a few months before this, and I was looking for a band to join because you know I'd just gotten out of college. And I'm like I want to you know play music, and so I went and looked on Craigslist, and they'd had an ad out looking for a new guitar player, and so I showed up and tried out for the band and got into it. And you know we we played a couple shows and had some good times, but that band actually eventually fell apart you know just creative differences between people in the band um and then me and chad tried to start a punk band which was a revival of a a previous (laughs) band that chad was in where he was actually the lead singer and he played bass um wait whoa wait what chad chad (laughs) played bass and was the lead singer yeah. Am I talking to Tom Araya Jr. here? <laughs> Minus the hair, potentially. <laughs> anyway, continue, please, Kyle. I, this is fascinating. Yeah, so we, yeah, we, we were this punk trio for just a few months. I was on guitar, Chad was on bass and vocals, and then we had our, a drummer named Timmy. We'll just leave it at, at Timmy. He's a real great guy. Timmy's Timmy. Not really. But yeah, Timmy bailed out. Um, and so it was just me and Chad. And we're like, well, what are we going to do now? And, you know, I, I was mess. I had bought a new acoustic guitar recently at the time and was messing around on that. And then I would, I showed Chad some songs I'd written. And then he started reworking some old songs that he'd written. And then, you know, eventually started getting the first four chord story album together. And this was probably four years ago now. Yeah. I'd say so. Yep. It was definitely a long, drawn-out process just because it kept falling by the wayside just because it was it was a passion project. And the other things kind of took priority. Like, I, jo- I, I at that point in time, not too far after, I joined this band called The Phoenix Philosophy, which eventually became The Failsafe. And so that took priority because we had to do that record. And then, and then, you know, Kyle jumped on board with the Phoenix philosophy. And then it's just, you know, it just, it just got pushed back, unfortunately. But, you know, we finally were just kind of like, you know, we have to finish this. We've had too much time and too much effort put into this. And so we finally got it done and we got it released. And of course, like we had plans of like, like I went ahead and bought like, because here was our goal. Our goal was to hit up like local breweries and local wineries and shit like that. And I bought a full-on PA system that we could bring with us um, to op- to get us to venues that maybe couldn't have music before. Like that was the whole goal. And so I spent a ton of money on a PA system. We ended up getting we ended up getting the actual physical copies of the CD. And I shit you not, Kyle. It was like a week later we were on lockdown because of COVID or something like that. Like. We just had all these plans of ready to rock and roll that all of a sudden the world was like, nope. And we were just like, oh, yeah, shit. (laughs) So, Kyle, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to teach both of you simultaneously. But, Kyle, since you and I have a little more history together, while Chad's been talking about Four Chord Story and all this, these albums and lockdown uh, my question to you is why are you not throwing links in the chat where people oh, can yeah. click on it and purchase this album? Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> I'm curious because yeah, I'm, we... I'm kind of like, I did not know there was another album. I did not know there well, was this. Yeah, that's, that's also a, 
awesome. That's my bad. Uh, no, I get it. We, I'm just currently don't with have you. a. Yeah, no, I. But about the four chord story album, we currently don't have it. Uh, we we do have physical copies of it, but we don't have an online store set up yet, and I have to get that set up so some people can buy it. Um, uh, yeah, but it is available um, on I all would... streaming platforms. But no, no, I'm old school. I'm a boomer. I want a physical copy, so yeah. you need to figure gonna, that out. Our... You need to talk to me and say, tell me, Rob, send me this amount of money to this address or whatever, and then fucking send me or send me a CD because I want one of these. And that's where it's like, what are you, what are you guys doing here? Come on, come on, kids. Yeah, get with the program. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get you one, Rob. We'll get you one. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna. Oh, you're making me jealous, you oh, yeah. asshole. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. It's a definite, I will say, it's a definite, it's a pretty massive difference from the failsafe. So, like, it's probably not going to be for everyone, but, like, for me, at least, you know, not to get too crazy deep here, it was a very therapeutic album to make. It was a, because I'm not a principal songwriter necessarily in in the failsafe my my job is more so the audio engineering which is i love my role don't get me wrong but where i really kind of got to let my guard down and be a human and just kind of let emotions roll was this record so this was like four or five six years of just life bullshit that i got to express and so i'm very proud of this record i'm very passionate about it and it was, just, it was just a very therapeutic thing for me to get out to the world. And I'm, though obviously COVID happened and all this other bullshit, like it was just a very positive thing for me to finish up. So, okay, let me, and maybe I missed it because of, you know, old man and bathroom breaks and beer and all that shit. <laughs> let me ask you this. So I might be, we're, we might be getting redundant, but for the old guy who had to get up and leave for a minute, four chord story, is this all acoustic? All, yes. All okay. acoustic. So let me ask you this then. I mean, obviously, it's a total different direction from what it sounds like than the failsafe. I, and I can respect that. But for the boomer in me, what it reminds me of is when Alice in Chains did Jar of Flies. Mm. You guys know what I'm talking about? Mm hmm. Okay. Now, granted, it's Alice in Chains. It wasn't a whole nother side project. But Alice in Chains, from their traditional electric guitar, heavy Seattle sound, did the acoustic album Jar of Flies, which I happen to like. I think it's a great album. Okay, But they were doing their own thing in their own sound, obviously, which you're not doing the fail-safe sound. But would you say, in a way, it's kind of like that you know i mean granted it's its own thing it's its own entity it's its own genre it's its own thing but would you kind of i guess for us old fuckers in the in the program here us gen xers would you say it's it's kind of like that rob would you say that or no the thing about the alice in chains is that even though it was like acoustic it was still like a oh here we go mctubus got it for me um, well, because uh, McDonald's and I, you guys have your guys. You got Wanda and you got, uh, uh, fucking scroll up. You got DL Elixman in here that are your guys, your people. Okay. McTubus is one of my guys. Gotcha. And Bullrush, speaking there, there oh, there's yeah, the Bullrush is here. There. Okay. These are my guys. 
All right. These, you know, McTubus is closer to my age. He, he's a Gen Xer, I think, like I am. Okay. So when he says something like that, it's like days of the new, but not gay. It's like, oh, I understand. I get it. So that makes complete sense. So yeah, um, you guys need to sort it out so that whether you have it as part of your links on failsafe or you, you need an online presence for this, this CD of yours. Because yeah, there's a whole bunch of people in the chat that want to buy it. I want to buy it. Well, we done fucked up, and um... yeah, you're leaving money on the table here. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> you know what? But this is good in the respect that we're talking about it right now because I had no idea you guys had a side project. I had no idea. This is the first I'm hearing of it. You know, people in the chat. You know, McTubus apparently kind of knows about it. Uh, uh, Wanda and DL Elixman, they know about it. Okay, but I'm like, I'm the boomer in the audience going. Wait, what? The, you guys have something else going on? The fuck are you guys doing? Where, where, where was I? Okay, I have no idea, and I would say a lot of people have no idea. And that's where it's like you're leaving money on the table, guys. If you're doing this, put it out there. Uh, I'll buy it, and I'll promote it, and I'll be like, check this out, because I like acoustic. That's one of my favorite things. You know, here, here's old D, old Mr. Uh, Northwestern here laughing about it because he's like, ah, Rob's a boomer, you know, because it's true. It's like, I have no idea because I'm busy enough in my life that I can't keep track of everybody else all the time. Yeah. So guys, well, it's, that's kind of the issue with, because I, I put a lot of time into doing the social media stuff for the, the fail safe. That's like an understatement. He Kyle lives and breathes this shit. So, <laughs> yeah, like it, it's it's the most most important thing in my life. Honestly, is trying to make this band as successful as possible. And so, just like not that I don't care about four chord story. It's just you know it's hard to find the time to go and get all the stuff set up and you know manage all of the social media for it. You know, even <laughs> a little bit as much as I am with the fail safe. So. And I oh, get God, that. Rush. <laughs> I, I, I told you on Twitter before that we, we keep all that stuff for our only bands page. Yeah, uh, I love yeah. it. Only bands. You know, and, and like I said, and it's not to, you know, slap you guys around or anything or make you feel bad. It's not. It's like, I get it. You're busy. We all have lives. You all have priorities. Y'all have shit going on. But like I said, literally, I'm like, you guys have a side project? Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, why, I why am I the last guy in the room to hear this? Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of the back what Kyle was playing. Like this, this the four chord story has always just been like a passion, fun project. Like our our main objective is the fail safe. Like that's sure. what we believe in. That's our passion. If we can sell a couple of these guys to pay for beer, fantastic. You know what I mean? And but you like, know what? There you go. But you can't buy beer if you don't have money in the fund because I didn't know that there was a beer <laughs> up to buy the album. Yeah. So that's where it's like, guys, if you're doing all these little things, let me know. You know, I, I want to be part of the process to help you guys succeed. You know, because I, I believe, you know, yeah, I'm going to sound all new age and woo woo. But I believe, guys, I believe in you. I think you guys, you have what it takes, whether it's your fail safe or your side projects or whatever other bullshit you got going on. It's like, ah, you guys are awesome. And so I kind of, you know, keep me in the know. 
We can talk about it on shows. I'll, I'll tweet shit out, whatever it is. I'll even make little commercials and throw them in my own videos because I like you guys that much because that's oh. what I do. So whatever it is, guys, you know, don't, even though I know I get it, fail safe's the, the main thing. It's the, it's the tip of the spear. I get it. At the same time, it's like, if this buys you beer or it gives you a little extra money to further fund the fail safe, then that's a win. Right. Yeah. So. No, I can say for sure I will get an online store set up so people can buy our physical copy of our CD for sure. Well, and that's in today's day and age, and I don't want to go off and get sidetracked here, so I'm going to keep it short. But I'm a big believer now in today's day and age in particular with everything going on out there. Buy physical copies. Whether it's a physical copy of a book or it's a physical copy of music, whatever it may be, buy a physical copy. One more of that income goes to the artist or goes to the author, whatever it may be, depending on what platform they're using. But then you have a physical copy that nobody can take from you, where digital can disappear at a keystroke. Yeah. Okay. I've seen it. And, and so I'm a big believer in if I have the ability, if it's available in a physical form, then I want a physical copy. Just like me buying your guys' album. It's like, I, I want a physical copy. Because for all I know, something weird happens and the, the, the Gestapo comes along and shuts you guys down because they don't like white guys. Whatever it may be. And failsafe disappears digitally at a keystroke. It That's why happen. we have Benno in the bank because he's our. Yeah, he's your token. He's your token. <laughs> he's not a right guy. So, yeah. They can't cancel us. <laughs> yeah, well, see, that's smart. That's why I knew we knew Benno was good for something. That's, that's horrible. What, it is. Okay, but that's what we're talking about. I mean, it's true, but. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously that's not why he's in the band. No, no. It's a good Sorry, Benno, but... way out. Well, see, you know, and, and not to, you know, not to let the cat completely out of the bag. Uh, people in the chat have mentioned it. I know me and Kyle have talked about it. Benno, I'm coming for you. Okay, you're coming on the show. I'm going to have, I've had Jesse, I've had Kyle, I've now had Chad and Kyle. I'm going to have you, whether it's you and me alone or, you know, God forbid, that might be scary. Or it's me, you, and Kyle, or me, you, and Chad, and Kyle, or me, you, Jesse, Chad, and Kyle. We're getting you on here. God damn it, because I want you on the show. I, I started following you on Twitter, and I said it. I was like, hey, Benno, babe, we're going to have a talk, pal, because I want you on the show. I want to hear your take about your thing, about everything you're doing, just like we've been talking with these guys. So, yes, you're coming on the fucking show. That's how it is. It's just, and, and there's no, no will not be accepted. <laughs> I, I don't we'll take, them. Uh, dude, I, if I have to come to Minnesota, if I have yeah, to do that, well, be like, I'm in Benno's house with my Benno's microphone. got his own side gig too, so that'll be a chance for him to. See, that, hey, Benno, see, look, promote side gig, eh, yeah. you know, extra monies. So, yeah, but that's the thing. And that's where I'm, I'm all about promoting the physical product. 
because then unless they physically come into your house and take it from you, they can't take it from you. Yeah. And if they try to digitally erase you and say you never existed, which is very easy to do today, people can say bullshit. They exist because I have the album. It's right here. It's in my hands. And if I need to put it out there one way or another so that others can say they exist, there it is. They can't stop everybody. Yeah. And that's that's this whole four chord story. It's like, really? Where the hell? What? Why? Why? Why am I the last guy in the room to know about this shit? Here I was pulling surprises on Chad and, and and a little bit to Kyle, but not really. You know, Chad's like, "Where the fuck did you find that?" And yet I'm the one that the jokes on me. It's like, ah, Rob, you didn't know we had something else. What? God damn it! You guys make me look like an asshole. What are you doing here? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. Totally my bad. It's okay. Cat's it's out of totally the okay. It, you know, it, it's totally okay. But, and I get it because fail safe is the number one thing. And I get it. But like I said, this buys you beer. This puts a little extra money into the pockets so that you have money for the fail safe to do whatever you're doing next. I'll buy a record. Even if I only listen to it once and go, that's eh, really not my thing. They make excellent I'm, coasters. Either way, whatever. But it's the fact that, hey, I like you guys, you know? And so it's like, oh, you have a side project. This sounds cool. And everybody in the chat, and when it comes to my guys, my guys, McTubus is like, oh, they're like Days of the New, but not gay. It, I'm like, sold. <laughs> That's all I needed because I trust my guys. I trust my guys. They've been around me long enough. They haven't disappointed me yet. They haven't steered me wrong. And so when I hear him pipe up and, ah, yeah, they're like days of the new, but not gay. Sold. It's like, show, show me the link and I'll give you my address. Send me a fucking CD. We'll get but you. I want a physical copy. Yeah, we'll get you. We'll get you. Sweet. No, we owe you anyway, just because we, I mean, you know, not to be all cheesy or whatever, but we just super appreciate you allowing us to be a platform to just... Hey, talk to you and just be a cool fucking dude, man. I mean, Rob, you're just cool hey, as shit. No, you don't owe me nothing, guys. I, I'm honored to have you on. This is this is part of why I do what I do is because there's way too much horse shit in the world, way too much mediocrity, because that's one of the unfortunate things about the internet is everybody has a voice and everybody has a say, and any real talent gets fucking washed away by mediocrity. And yes, I'm not any fucking person that's like, oh, I know what what extraordinary is. I, no, I'm not grandiose. But at the same time, I know good music. I know a good band when I hear them. I know good guys when I see them. And so to me, it's like, why not try to help? Because I'm tired of mediocre. I'm tired of bullshit. And so here we are. So it, you don't need to thank me, guys. Thank you for doing what I got Chesty in the chat. Feel oh, safe. there we go. <laughs> Very well, I agree with that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Chesty's a little slippery. You know, Chesty's a, you know, he's Chesty's a, he's a good guy at heart, though. Yes. No, he's a, yeah, yeah, he's very, very impulsive. I will say that. Yeah. Aren't all lead singers like that, though? 
aren't all lead singers like that. I've never met a lead singer who wasn't a little impulsive. So there's nothing wrong with that. That's part of part of being the lead singer. You got to be a little little impulsive, a little prima donna, and that's what makes the lead singer. So we got him. I, I love Jesse. And and that's the thing. It was great having him on. The only thing that I was thinking at the time when when you first came on is Jesse in typical fashion as a lead singer kind of took over. And I'm like that's 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 pretty par for the course. And I'm like, "Okay, so me and Kyle need to have a talk." <laughs> Because I want to hear from Kyle too. And well, I would love to just have Jesse on even because then it'll be a battle of who gets the microphone. It'll be me versus Jesse. <laughs> yeah. But he's yeah, his whole life revolves around sales whether it's selling our band, selling his day jobs stuff or or selling to women. So he's like the the ultimate salesman. Like it's And you know what? Yeah. Everybody needs one of them too. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Everybody needs a salesman whether you're selling pussy or you're selling your album or selling a book or selling a car, doesn't matter. Everybody needs a salesman. So, absolutely. He's can he's uh, our Kevin Sales. <laughs> Are you winning, son? <laughs> That's how he's always going to be forever remembered by me. Is Are you winning, son? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck no. Mm -hmm. Guys, we are at about an hour and 35 minutes give or take. Hour oh, wow. Yeah, it, time flies when we're having fun. Um I want to start getting ready to wrap it up. Yeah. I'm sure you guys got things to do and I know I've got things to do. Is there anything else that you guys, you Kyle, you Chad that you want to talk about? that that I haven't brought up that you this is your chance. I've got some uh, shameless plug stuff to go over. Please, please yeah. shamelessly plug. Type it in the chat too if yeah. you have links. You have yeah. that uh, I'll I'll repost this this link. Um I posted it already. But uh this is going to be for our merch. We actually have a a big merch um pre-order thing going on right now. Um we have all new merch designs for t-shirts we've got hoodies we've got tank tops hats yeah. um and we're trying to raise money for a pre-order um and we've got some bonus deals um so if if you pre-order any of our new items um we'll give you a free signed copy of our new limited edition EP that we've got called The Fail Safe Unplugged. It's it's got acoustic renditions of a few of our songs from The Racing Color. Um if if you like Four Chord Story which we were talking about before, it's it's pretty similar to that. Um and then also if you buy $60 or more of merch, um you get free shipping and you can request us to play an acoustic cover of any song you want. It could be anything. um and we'll do it. We'll, we're going to do a live stream of us playing our acoustic stuff plus our uh, cover requests that we get from merch pre-orders. So if you want if you want us to fucking play something embarrassing, here's your chance. It's just going to cost you 60 bucks. <laughs> I'm hoarding the band out for 60 bucks to play whatever you like, guys. How does it get better than that? Fork yeah. over the money, it's worth it. I mean just in general just thank you thank you thank you 
thank you for being supporters, for being fans. Um, you know, I, it's 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 just awesome to see the support that we do have and that it's continually growing. And and for all you people who do support, just thank you so much. I mean, it, it really does mean the world to us to see that happen and to be able to interact with you guys and um it's just very not to be too crazy cheesy but it, it, it is i mean it's very meaningful for us it helps us allow us to do what we want to do and so just thank you thank you guys for coming on i appreciate it um uh, like I said, anywhere that I can help in whatever small way that I can, I enjoy doing that. I would love to have both of you back on again. You have an open invitation. Oh, man. Uh, and, and if Chad, if you come back on, whether it's all three of us or it's just you and me, I'm fine with that. Hit me up. Kyo knows how to get a hold of me. If Because apparently you're not on fucking Twitter, which that's weird. Yeah, you got to get on Twitter, man. I suck yeah. at social media. I am horrible. I will fully admit I am like a dinosaur when it comes to social media. And I know okay, that's not so helping me. Boomer status confirmed. Yes. <laughs> you really need to do that at least so that bare minimum you can stay in touch with your fellow bandmates and me. God okay. I think, I, I think I created one like years ago. You'll have to dig it up. Yeah, I will. I will. I will. But man, if you ever want to have a show where we just talk shop in terms of gear and like recording. And that and I would love to do. That's that's something where it's like, oh, I, I we could have a five hour episode. No problem. Just talking about gear and recording and how you do shit. And I compare it to how I do shit. And well, I use GarageBand or I use this or right. What do you use, Rob? All I use Reaper and I use DaVinci and, and, and we're all fucking passing notes and people are like, what are these idiots talking about? <laughs> but you and I are sitting there going, Oh yeah, I I'm having an orgasm. Just having a and musical guys, boner. Yep. That's right. And guys in the chat, a few of them are like the fuck. But there's a couple others that are like taking notes and they're licking their fingers and they're writing furiously because they're like, oh, my God, these guys are giving the real sweet sauce out here. But I would love to do that. Dude, I'm so down. You have no idea. Okay, then you need to get on to social media. Yes, I will. Just for the fact so that you can follow me, I can follow you back and you and I can personally stay in touch. And that way we can we can set up our boner episode of we're going to get into like engineering and mixing and all this other shit that most people are like, I don't give a fuck. But you and I do. And there's going to be like three people in the chat that are all beaten off to it because I I, <laughs> I want to have that conversation for real. Oh, yes. That, that's, the, that's the episode that it's like, oh, you want to you want to actually learn how to make you know, some good music, some good video shit, com- combining it. That's going to be that episode. Yeah. And I, and I want that. I want that so bad. You have no idea, dude. We could even probably dive into some screen shares to where I, if I can get my camera to work on my other computer, like I could pull up old failsafe Pro Tool sessions and we can kind of. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, look, there's Kyle. And what's he doing? He's picking his nose. Oh, well, hey, did he eat it? Well, that's, you'll have to find out. You'll have to spend 60 bucks on that merch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just fucking with you, man. Uh, Just leave your pants on, please. Hey, don't tell me how to run my show. Uh, Yeah, but that's, I'm sure like McTubus here, he would probably like something like that too. 
you know he took notes he's taking notes right now trust me he's a lot more vocal usually and where he hasn't been that much i'm like somebody's got a notebook in his hands right now and he's writing <laughs> seriously yeah and yes you're correct bull rush rob gasm confirmed yes because i would love to have the engineering talk there's i know there's things that chad's gonna be even i'm gonna be like what the fuck are you talking about but then there's other things where i'm like i know exactly what he's talking about and whether he wants to dumb it down i can dumb it down and be like oh okay for all you plebes out here this is what he's saying and it's like and i get it so i would love to have that talk with you Chad. yeah totally i'm down set me up well, like I said, get on social media so that you and I can follow each other. It makes it much easier to to communicate. Benno. Yeah, send me your Twitter when you get that set up and I'll send you Rob's. Okay. And everything. That's okay. Right. Benno, I'm coming for you. If I have to drag you kicking and screaming, you're coming on the goddamn show. Okay? Because I want to hear... Benno. I want to hear what he's got to say. I want to understand where he first started from and how he ended up in this zoo that's called the Failsafe. <laughs> all that kind of stuff. I want to I, I want to hear all you guys decide. What would be fun is after if I if we can, you know, persuade, prod, coerce, threaten, whatever it takes to get him on the show. What I'd love after that is to be able to do a failsafe show where you're all on. All to get oh, yeah. you, you're all in the same room or you're all individually on your own cameras from your own homes or whatever. I would love to do a show where everybody's on the show. Yeah. And promote the fuck out of everything, whatever your next endeavor is, whether you're working on a new album or you're getting ready to tour because you no longer have to wear a mask and kill grandma or whatever it may be. Okay. That's, I would love to ultimately be like, hey, it's like the Brady Bunch. I've got the whole entire failsafe on the show and everybody's throwing shit at each other and it's chaotic and I'm just like the ringmaster going, step right up, ladies and gentlemen, come watch the show. It would be great. I, oh, we, would, we would love to do that. I'll, I'll go ahead and speak on behalf of Benno and, and, and Jesse and just say, yes, sign us up. We'll absolutely be totally on board for that for sure. All right. So basically what I've learned today is that Kyle and, and Chad are pretty much the, 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 the real spokespiece of the failsafe. So I know <laughs> who I need to talk to to get the other guys, whether they like it or not, they're coming on. So I've learned something new here as well as about everything else I've learned. Well, it's really just Chad because he'll just kick all our asses if we don't do it. <laughs> ah, so I should have started with Chad. God damn it. Oh, yeah, we, we should touch on his uh, signature wrestling move before. No, we, we should not. <laughs> no, we should not. Kyle, you hush your goddamn mouth. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds like a challenge accepted to me. No, that's going to get me in trouble. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> All right, yeah, it is a little bit. So, if uh, if the wrong eyes were to see this, it might. Not uh, I love it. <laughs> be too bad, so. it, 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 it's goddamn hilarious, though. I'll say that, and What's I would not okay? want it to be me. No. <laughs> yeah. That's an off-camera. <laughs> All right, fair enough. But already, McTubus is ready to torture you guys. So, oh God, here we go. Here's a start. Funky Town. I, I'm with Funky Town. 
<laughs> oh god, I would love to hear you guys do Funky Town. That would be fucking brilliant. <laughs> oh, that's on you. You think you could pull that one off? <laughs> uh, I'm try it. <laughs> well, I'm sure we can figure it out. I want to look at some tablature for Funky Town. <laughs> See, I'm not, I'm not worried about this covered bullshit. I'm not worried about this covered bullshit at all because all I'm going to have is a shaker. I'm fine. Whatever. It's all on tile. I'm just going to be back here going like, fucking bring it on. I got you. You bought all new bongos for this shit. So. No, I didn't. I borrowed a drum from a buddy, but I still do want to buy bongos. I always want to buy more oh, gear. I but... No, 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 no. It was, a, it was actually a djembe that was used on the record. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God. You guys just don't know what can of worms and what Pandora's box you opened up with, my guys. You have no idea what you got yourselves into. And they will throw money at it just because they can. I I'm dead serious, guys. I'm a little afraid now. <laughs> it, you should be, because you, you did do the challenge accepted with my guys. And I know these guys, they're not, you know, wealthy by any means, but they've got, they've got some disposable income and it's like, oh, 60 bucks. No problem. Funky town. It is. <laughs> yeah. You guys don't know my audience. Like I know my audience. Like a it's virgin. Like, oh, there you go. <laughs> this might hurt us as a band. Come to think of it. I don't know if this is no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> too late. <laughs> Like a virgin. I mean, it, okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of the band Our Last Night, but they've made a whole career out of making shameless pop covers and shit like that. So, well, if they can do it, you guys will have yeah. no problems. All right, guys in the oh, chat, everybody that showed up, thank you again for showing up. I appreciate it. These guys appreciate it, I'm sure. Um, subscribe to my channel if you haven't. Granted, not all of my content is going to be for everybody, and that's okay, but I do things like this. So, subscribe, hit the notification bell, all that stuff. Share it out, all the, all the stuff. Do the thing. Hit the like button, all that. You have no idea how much one like will actually promote a video. I've seen it in my analytics. I have an idea of just how much push it pushes it out there just by simply doing that and it costs you nothing but a click so do that um you guys got any last things you want to say uh yeah i think we pretty much said it all um yep go check out our merch go listen to our music um we are the failsafe.com i'll post the link one time one more time in the chat for good measure yes please by all um, means yep follow or like and subscribe to Rob's channel. Leave a comment. Um, go follow the Failsafe on. We're on all streaming platforms. We're on YouTube as well. Um, yes, you can find that in our links there. Um, that's that's all I got. Just Chad, you got anything? Be cool. Be safe. Protect yourselves out there in those crazy times. Obviously. Um. And just, I just, I wish there was a better word than thank you, but I don't think there is. So just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And guys, with that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it to kind of tie into both of them. Thank you for watching. Thank you for being a part of the show. And to quote another guy that I know, buy their shit, okay? Buy their stuff. Buy their album. Buy Four Chord Story when they put that fucker online so that I can purchase a physical copy. 
but do all that stuff too. support these guys help them out they're they're doing it they're great and guys we will see you all next time take us out kyle no 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 it's yeah <laughs> <Jeez, laughs> guys that was horrible <laughs>